folks, we'll just say that was your summer vacation, but we are back for Slam University. I'm one of your hosts, Malcolm Spinetti. Joe, who Joe, unfortunately, can't join us this week, but I got a nice substitute teacher here for us for this very special NXT episode. Please welcome Matt Polito. Welcome, buddy. Good to be here. Haven't done a podcast in over a week. I hope I haven't forgotten how to do it. Uh, it's just like riding a bicycle. Don't you dare worry. <laughs> Matt is much like myself, is a professional wrestling watcher. I am. For quite some time, since about uh, 86 or so. Uh, I would say 85. I started around Mania 5 myself. I was I was right around WrestleMania 2 I, was when I started watching, and WrestleMania 3 was the big first event that I saw, so... Uh. I remember because back in the when I was a kid, I was on a huge Godzilla kick for the longest time, and then I saw a commercial for Hogan versus Savage at Mania Five, and I thought, "Hey, those guys look just like like the kaiju from the Godzilla movies." So I was like, "All right, I I, I got to go see it." So I sent my mom to the video store, which back in the day, folks, you used to go rent videos, video cassettes from uh, these video stores, and I said, "Get me the one that has Macho Man and Hulk Hogan on it." She came back with Wrestlemania 4. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a better event. So, so you might not have known it at the time, but you lucked out. So I'm seeing this and I'm like pissed off. Like, no, they're fucking friends here. What the hell's going on? So I was like, okay, go get me the one with them on the cover. She comes back with Survivor Series where they're teaming up against the Mega Bucks. <laughs> I was like, freaking A, huh? And that's where it was actually my first storyline because over the pay-per-views, I got the story of how Hogan helped him win the belt. Then they were partners against evil. And then finally I get to Mania 5 where it all went downhill. And that's where I fell in love with wrestling. So, uh, yeah, that's a great place to start. It is. That, that's like that's one of the best storylines of all time. It, it really is. I, I love the booking on WrestleMania 4 leading to Savage winning the title. It's just fantastic. If you Every match means something in that, what, 16-man tournament? Mm-hmm. You know, and like you, you can watch the heels getting easy buys and 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 paths to the to the top. While especially Ted DiBiase, oh, Ted DiBiase. while Savage has the hardest time going through it. It's booked so well. Uh, Ted DiBiase was great because he would they would actually have him come down to the ring to announce the buy, and he was like, <laughs> just walk back to the back, all fine. <laughs> I think uh, he got like two buys, didn't he? Or uh, there was multiple buys in that tournament. I don't remember if DiBiase got them both. Like I know that uh, Rude and uh, Jake Roberts they took each other out, and that, right, that right. led to at least one buy for DiBiase. And I forget what it, what else happened. But, and I know that a lot that he got like a lot of cheap victories thanks to Andre being on the outside too. Right, yeah, he had a he had a really easy path through the tournament. Oh yeah. And it Macho Man meanwhile, you know, fought through like what was it, three or four matches. Uh, it looks like Savage beat um Butch Reed. Butch Reed, okay. Greg Valentine, and the one man gang. Yeah. And the one man gang had a bye in the previous round, so Savage had to go against a fresh guy. Uh DiBiase got uh he beat Duggan, Morocco, and then got a bye because Hogan and Andre took each other out of the tournament. Ah, the power of Wikipedia right here. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, but folks, that's not what we're here talking about, though it is fun to reminisce here. We're going to talk about something I've always wanted to do on the show is talk about uh, some of the uh, pay-per-views that go on in the current realm of wrestling. As While we enjoy looking back on the past and bringing everyone up to speed, I think it's cool to talk about what's going on right now. And something I've always wanted to talk about is NXT, especially their TakeOver specials. Uh, and it's kind of funny when you look back on NXT, which NXT, if you remember, Matt... 
began as this very terrible thing. <laughs> I remember rushing home from my gaming night because I wanted to see Daniel Bryan on WWE TV. So I saw the, that very first episode. And uh, actually, I got my start as a writer on this website called TheWrestlingFan.com. And I was the guy who would cover all the uh, NXT programs. And it was it was tough, man. Oh, my God. Uh, for those of you, to catch you guys all up to speed, it started back in August of 2012. And it was what replaced ECW back when uh, that was running for the longest time. And they, the way uh, Vince McMahon announced it is it would uh, showcase the newest talent in WWE, which isn't untrue. A lot of the people that were on NXT are now on the main roster, such guys as Wade Barrett, Darren Young, Titus O'Neil, Daniel Bryan, all started, sadly, on this version of NXT, which uh, consisted of a, which they basically tried to turn into this game show. Yes, there were matches here and there, but they would stop to do obstacle courses and who can punch the beanbag the hardest and who could carry Hornswoggle the farthest before collapsing or who, or there was like a very famous one where Daniel Bryan was doing an obstacle course and one of the parts of the obstacle was who could drink the soda the fastest and he was vegan at the time and it took him damn near forever to drink a soda which Miz rightfully ripped hard for but <laughs> it's hard to drink a soda fast if you're if your system's not used to it yeah that's true especially uh if it's especially with the fizzes and whatnot or if it's caffeinated and you're off caffeine mm. nxt this was the case for nxt for the longest time and it made people wonder why the hell it was even there and then finally we had uh, three main seasons one that gave uh, birth to the nexus two that sadly gave birth to the genesis of mcgillicuddy <laughs> The genesis of the beginning of the genesis. Oh, my God. The end of that <laughs> season was... If you've ever wanted to know why Kurt Henning's son is where he is, well, sadly, check out that promo. He's, he's got a good drop kick, and that's about it. <laughs> and The Rock apparently loves working with him. And then we had had uh, season three, which was the All Divas one, which gave us some, uh, gave us some uh, spectacles, such as AJ Lee, Naomi, and Caitlin, who... Oh, I miss her. But more famously, and sadly, it gave us heel Michael. Oh, yes. That was a dark time for wrestling. Indeed. And it really made you question why you were watching that show, because all it was was Cole saying how awful the show was, and like, why am I even watching this? Yeah. And then we got season four, which was Redemption, which they had, like, all these guys who got eliminated come back to try to get a second chance at a contract. And it went on and on and on until it finally came pretty clear that there was no idea or plan for everything. So we got Darren Young, Derek Bateman, Yoshi Tatsu, and pretty much the bottom rung of the WWE ladder. That's where you were. Pretty much. Oh, JTG. That's where he was for the longest time. Uh, then finally, they just basically made it into a little fed. Until finally, he, which, uh, by the way, if you're ever curious to check out this lost section of NXT, you can find it on Hulu Plus right now. But this came the case until finally Triple H took over. And as well as giving everybody that down there a very sweet performance center to play in. He also gave them their own show starting in February of 2014. A show which, over time, became the best thing about WWE. Would you agree or disagree with that one? I, it's consistently the best thing to watch every week on, on WWE TV. So. Because mm-hmm. essentially it doesn't have to adhere to the rules of being on television. You get like an hour of it, which is enough that you enjoy what you're watching and you want 
more as opposed to the three hours of garbage you get uh, on USA. I, there's no there's no system trying to push anything down. I don't have to hear about Twitter or Tout or whatever commercial they're trying to push us on USA. NXT can just be NXT. They, they make the most of that hour that they have every week and they are not trying to do a bunch of things that you aren't seeing on the show. You know, like you said, the Twitter and, and all that stuff, you know, everything's right there. Mm-hmm. And in time, uh, NXT pretty much became its own separate brand. I know Triple H likes to say that one day he wants it to be a brand, but it pretty much is. I mean, it has its own title, a title which has been seen on WWE TV, and thanks to Kevin Owens especially, is seen as a big deal now. In fact, uh, the first ever champion was Seth Rollins, then Big E, then Bo Dallas, then Adrian Neville, then Sami Zayn for a cup of coffee, (laughs) then Kevin Owens, and now here we are with Finn Balor. If we would later get a women's title, notice I said women's and not divas, and a tag team championship too. All of which, which are very, you know, it's weird, like with like mid-tier titles, you know, the US title is just now starting to get uh, some prestige to it. Same with the IC, but for a while they were just there, but I can't think of a time that the that any title in NXT didn't mean something. Yeah, I'd agree. They they really make the titles, uh, there's a lot of stories centered around the guys trying to get the title. You know, I'm here because this is my career and and I want to achieve the pinnacle of my career by achieving this title. Mm-hmm. And, and it's an old, probably the oldest story you can tell in wrestling, but it works. So why not keep doing it? Exactly. And the shows, you could tell that uh, everyone on that roster has something to prove. And it works tremendously. And they all want to steal the show from the sh- from the WWE guys, which is, which is really cool. Because I'm not going to, I don't know if I would say that they have met that level of expectation that NXT is throwing on them, but it's nice that they have some form of competition somewhere, even if it is from within the own company. And, uh, yeah, so we've had, since then, we've had eight NXT specials, counting the one that we, that just happened in this, happened a few days ago. And it's uh, pretty famous for a multitude of reasons, including the first ever Divas main event, which I have a feeling we're both going to have a lot to say, eh, Matt? Oh, yes. <laughs> so without any further ado, as I try to find, uh, okay, maybe a little bit more ado. Bloody. Well, let's get right to it. it with the NXT TakeOver Respect. All of them are called TakeOver which is some adjective but some word that tends to go quite well with it. As we open up with the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic a tag team tournament which was opened up thanks thanks to the unfortunate passing of Dusty Rhodes as a means to honor him. Now granted I could make the joke that you don't really think about tag team wrestling when you think about Dusty Rhodes but uh, it's the matches are all top notch. It, they they were either tag teams or just a, a random group of people brought together. Um, there is one problem I had with the with these semifinal matches, which we'll get into in match number two. But we open things up with team face of the company as Finn Balor teamed with Samoa Joe to take on the mechanics. Uh, what are your thoughts on both these teams, there, Matt? You know, uh, Dawson and Wilder, uh, they they probably have potential. I like the sort of um, brainbusters gimmick they're doing. Yeah, that's what a lot of people compare them to. Yeah, the Anderson and Blanchard type thing. Um... I haven't seen enough of them to, to really make a decision on them yet. Uh, obviously, Smojo, I've been a fan since oh. around 2005, you know, when he had his amazing series of matches for the exhibition title and against Kurt Angle and TNA. Uh, I'm not the biggest Finn Balor fan. I don't really have a problem with him, but he just, I don't see, I don't see main event material on him. I really don't. And I think his title run so far has been somewhat weak. 
Uh, hopefully this whole thing with Joe is their way of fixing that, as I see a number of ways it could go. Yeah. Uh, as far as the mechanics, you know, no no pun intended, but mechanically, they're fine. They're fantastic oh, right. wrestlers. Uh, however, I got two main issues with them. Uh, one, they're, they are small. And that's kind of the problem that the Ascension had. Like, when they were in NXT, you could make them badasses, and it worked, because they were big compared to everyone there. But when they came to WWE, and their first uh, feud was with with the New Age Outlaws. Sadly, I'm not kidding there, the New Age Outlaws. And Billy Gunn just dwarfed Victor and uh, Connor. And like you said, they were big in NXT. Yeah. These guys are not big in NXT. No. They're, they're little guys among a league of little guys. So. It's like, I'm very concerned when they eventually do get called up to the main roster and they're up to, like, the Usos' nipples, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Uh, so I got concerned from them there. And two, they, one of my biggest pet peeves as far as pushing a guy is the old, and now they just start winning push, which is essentially what happened with them. They were the biggest jobbers ever. Then one day they beat Enzo and Cass because sure. And I couldn't stand it. <laughs> and since then, they actually defeated the NXT Tag Team Champions in this tournament. Yes, I couldn't which- say is really disconcerting because it was a long time before the Von Villains finally got the tag team championships, and then for them to lose to these guys in the tournament, it, it's almost I, I don't like I don't like the champions being in the tournament because it's almost like whoever comes out of the tournament really should be the champions. Yeah, I mean I do like it for the fact that it got the rematch with uh, Blake and Murphy out of the way because they faced each other in the first round and they just made that into a uh, Dusty Rhodes match slash rematch for the tag titles. So it's like okay great get rid of that off of the pay-per-views <laughs> wait didn't they have another match like two weeks later that was for the t- the rematch for the titles okay maybe they did two matches but i don't remember uh you've, you've confused me no no you're, moving on, you're, moving on. <laughs> moving on. so but anyway uh, the mechanics like i said good but you know i just question how they're pushed because going back to what i was saying about all of a sudden they just win that you know it that's classic lazy wwe writing where you know if you want to book for the next title match oh these guys just all of a sudden beat the champions and there you go it's how blake and murphy got the titles yeah literally they just they, they were nobody and then all of a sudden they they won like two matches and then the titles yeah so they they beat the lucha dragons then they beat them in a title match and people are, are still going what <laughs> and they were champions for a very long time very long time my god too long uh samoa joe loves samoa joe and i am so happy he's and have to laugh that Im- almost immediately after leaving tna he is a bigger deal than he ever was in the last five years of his run in that yeah if, if you are not familiar with nxt and you want to get an idea of what they do here um James Storm had his last match ever in TNA less than a week ago, and he was already at an NXT taping. Uh, and, and WWE's website and Twitter were already hyping the heck out of the fact that they had him. They can take these guys and, and that have been misused and, and do something with them. And that's part of the excitement of NXT, actually, too, because, you know, while I don't know if I would ever, if we'll ever see James Storm on the roster proper, he can show up on NXT. It, it right. kind of reminds me of the old Monday Night War feel where somebody right. would just all of a sudden and be on Raw or something like that. And uh, he's going to do fantastically, I, I believe, for him. So. And, and if they're actually going to be their own fed now and not just a develop, developmental league, they need guys like that. Mm. Like, I think one of the smartest things they've done in NXT in the last six months is bring in Rhino. Oh, yeah. I think Rhino's fantastic in the role that he's in there. I guarantee you Corbin learned so much in the month he's been teaming up with Rhino right now. I'm sure he did. Yeah. And uh, Samoa Joe, you can tell he's, like, regained, like, so much drive and focus. I think he's lost a lot. 
lot of weight. He's yeah. really pushing himself in the ring. Um, Smalls, I, this isn't a spoiler because I don't know it for a fact, but personally, I think right now we're building up to a Finn-Samoa Joe match. Yeah, that's what I was kind of alluding to when I said hopefully this teaming them up is is getting Balor somewhere. Um, I would have done a lot of this tournament differently. We'll get to that as we go through the matches. Yeah, yeah. And Finn Balor, I can kind of see where you're coming from on this one. Like, I hate to say it like this because the last thing I want to do, do to this guy is compare him to Sandman, but I feel like he's an entrance guy. Well, I mean, he can work. And when he first came in, yes. I was not a big fan of him when he first came in. I didn't really care for his Japanese stuff. Mm. Um, I don't. I didn't particularly care for the body paint because of what you just said. It was like, okay, yeah, especially in the indies when he was coming out as Spider-Man or coming out as, as Venom or whatever. It's like, yeah. okay, I can go dress like Spider-Man and get cheered. I still got to deliver in the ring, right? Which he can. T- yeah, he can. You know, but, but at my thoughts on him when he first started in NXT was, this guy's a really good athlete, but he doesn't know how to put a match together. Mm. I thought he was just all, you know, high spots and not that great of a wrestler. He's gotten better. Yeah. I think he de- deserved the title that he got, but he's, yeah, he's a lot of entrance right now, and he, he doesn't really have any good heels to go up against. And, that's um, a, and to be fair, he's in an NXT. You know how hard you have to work to get booed down there. Like, if the fans like you one iota, you're, like, cheered out of the building. I think, like, the only people who get booed consistently are Baron Corbin and Eva Marie, and that's about it. <laughs> Pretty much. It, but And uh, to be and also going with Finn Balor, the thing I don't like about him personally is uh, I feel like he doesn't know exactly what he wants to be. Like, the body paint would be good if he was, like, a supernatural type of character, but he's not. So, and we know he's not. Like, the most supernatural thing is that entrance, and then he's like a normal wrestler. Well, like, is, is he supposed to be supernatural on those times that he puts the paint on? Uh, yeah, like, there was, like, I remember when he took on Owens in the previous takeover, he was even teleporting around the stage. Right. Which was actually pretty interesting. But You know, if, if you're at all, and I know you are, but for our listeners, if you're at all familiar with the great Muda, mm. that's what this should be. It should be that he's a normal wrestler, but when he has to, he can go to this dark place, and, and you know, when, when Muda would, would just be a normal wrestler, and he'd get in a huge, terrible feud, and he'd have to put the paint on and come out as great Muda to, to win the feud. They can do that. I, don't, I thought that's what they were going to do when they started this deal. It's kind of what they were doing at first, but they've kind of lost traction on it. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's also becoming like a telltale marker of when he's going over or not. Like, I remember the first time he became the number one contender, and he got his match with Kevin Owens on TV, and he came out without the paint. And I was like, oh, well, he's not winning. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But let's see what happens here. Very interesting story happens uh, during the course of the match. A very solid match. Get used to me saying that a bit with each one of these matches as NXT knows how to deliver in the ring. And the story quickly becomes as the mechanics start to work over Finn Balor's knee. As he starts to, you know, his knee gets, you know, more and more fucked as the match progresses. And then, and the announcers actually do a really good job of pointing out, especially Graves, that a lot of uh, Finn Balor's offense evolves either jumping off the top rope or landing on his feet or basically everything involves, you know, high impact on the legs. So if you take out one of his legs, you're basically taking out 90% of his offense. Right. His finisher is a double stomp and he does a lot of smaller variations of the double stomp. So yeah, he needs his legs. Exactly. So the match continues. Finally, Joe gets the hot tag and he is just monstrous bowling over these two very small mechanics. Then finally, we get what I thought was going to be 
a uh, you know like the precursor for the big you know moment was you know Samoa Joe's working him in the corner and then Finn's like tag me in kind of heelish really it was like a little bit a little bit so he tags it Finn you know about ah, okay let me start again Joe has to think about it for a second finally he tags him in almost against his better judgment uh, muscle buster and in a move that kind of makes Balor look like an idiot I'm sorry he hits that double spot the double stomp you were talking about and hurts his own leg and right. gets the one two three and then you know that becomes the story heading into the finals is you know is Finn going to be okay we even get like a little moment where we see people checking on and back uh, what do you think of this match up here Matt? yeah overall uh, I think they did everything right in this match um, it, it made you wonder if Balor was going to um, be able to go into the next match or not and it kind of set some tension between both guys which I liked mm. so yeah I, I was just overall very happy with this match so after the match, Finn is hurt. Joe helps him to the back, and uh, they move on to the finals. We also get a small little backstage moment with Sasha Banks getting ready for her main event match later in the night. And we then go into the next semifinal matchup as Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, known as Kurt Angle split in half, taking <laughs> on Rhino and Baron Corbin. Uh, what are your thoughts on all four guys? Uh, I will always mark out for Rhino's music in WWE. He's got... He's just has a great entrance music. Uh, I've always liked Rhino ever since ECW. Um, Corbin, I mean, most people don't like him. I don't like him. It's it's hard to point out why. He just he nothing about him is interesting. You know, it's not even that he's necessarily bad. He's not putting on stinker matches like say even Marie. He just he's not interesting at all. You know, and, and most of his matches are squash matches. He but, actually can kind of go a little, but he doesn't like really get to. Mike Knox was feuding with Rey Mysterio. You ever see that moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's like I don't know. I I, I don't really dislike him. I just want to beat him up. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, Jordan and Gable are oh. maybe my new favorite thing in NXT, especially in the tag division. Uh, Jordan's been around for a long time, and he's had a lot of tag team partners. In fact, that was the storyline that yeah, put yeah. those two together. And um, I don't know, like in the last month or so, he, I just see money on this guy. He is a fantastic athlete, mm. and like you said, they're, they're Kurt Angle split in half. They both have this amateur style, you know, where, where they can really do that, that style of wrestling. And then Gable, who's a former Olympian, by the way, uh, he's he's on the small side, but man, he can he can suplex. He has power, you know. He and he's and he's got personality. He's yes. really funny, you know. So yeah, these guys these guys are something to watch. Oh yeah, uh, Chad Gable and Jason Jordan are my favorite tag team in NXT easily. Easily, uh, Jason Jordan has it written all over him. I agree with you. He has a bright bright future, and I think it shows that because he does get used quite a bit like if you notice he was used on uh tough enough a few times as right the right training dude as the guy in the ring to take the bumps and whatnot indeed and jay and chad gable who is wet willing and able ready willing and able he is already one of the most over guys on the nxt roster like he gets the one of the biggest ovations he's really there. funny yes oh okay let me ask you this Okay. And we might have talked about this before. I don't remember. So when they put when they put these guys together, is there a little bit of uh, ambiguously gay duo going on with these two? Because because the whole the whole gimmick is Gable saying say my name, and 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 then like it, it's it's almost like it's almost like the one guy's gay and the other guy's not admitting he's gay, and he's like, hey, you're gonna hang out with me? Yeah, okay, yeah, fine, I'll hang out with you, you know. And then it's like, hey, let's talk about it. No, I don't want to say it. You know, it's it's just. 
I get that vibe, and they don't have to go that way. They because, could if they wanted to, now because, that you bring but, it up. <laughs> right, but the character interaction between them is fantastic, whether they end up going that way or not. Mm. So they don't have to go that way. But I just have this feeling that that's what they're setting up. I'll, I'll laugh if that ends up being the case. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I could be completely wrong, but that's what I'm getting out of it. Uh, Rhino, I, I agree with you. I love their use of Rhino right here, as he can be he, he sort of like a, a main event jobber. You know, he, he'll job uh, to the main eventers going up, and meanwhile keeping himself a little high up on the card so it looks like a big deal when the main eventers beat him and uh, I like I said I think he's doing really well with Baron Corbin who hey let's give him credit for at least one thing he's a heel that gets booed yeah which you is, know, which is he's so not, difficult he's not the cool heel that everybody cheers he he goes out there and he does his job he's a despicable bad guy yeah and I, I will say he's getting a repertoire too a lot of people I don't think give him a credit but he's been debuting more and more moves in fact a lot of the fin- the finish of this match was so cool like i didn't see it coming like I, okay when when i saw chad gable bounce off the rope i'm like oh god <laughs> but then it turned into this weird thing it was like okay her and conrana oh shit no <laughs> right and so it's like oh man and but, rhino did a uh a, a new variation of the, of the gore which i thought was neat where he shot jordan to the ropes mm. and then before jordan could come back to him off the ropes he just cut him in half and it, it was really cool indeed and uh, the match itself was very very back and forth. If I can pick one thing I didn't like about this match, there's like, there's one thing I hate with, uh, and it's not only NXT that's guilty of this, but also uh, WWE in general. It's the only way a match can end is if you hit your finish. Right. And Jordan is in there. He's cleaning house. He just tagged Chad Gable, who was getting the shit kicked out of him for most of the match. He's in there for maybe two minutes, and he's like, Gable, get up here. Let's hit our finish. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, <laughs> Chat, you can even see it. It reminded me of when Enzo and Cass were taking on Blake and Murphy. And Cass is like, come on, Cat, Enzo. And you see Enzo barely getting up. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I, right there, I knew, okay, well, it's over. But And then we get that nice little sequence there. It's uh, Corbin and uh, Gable at the end there. And to his credit, he, uh, Corbin counters uh, head, spinning head scissors into end of days. It looked really nice. It, it did look good. Um, so can't complain there. Indeed. And, you know, credit to him, right? Credit to, to Baron Corbin. It's end of days is sort of like the RKO now where you can just hit that out of any position, which will help him a lot. I mean, right. That, that does help him. So, uh, how about, uh, Gable hitting the deadlift German on, on Corbin earlier in the match? That was sick. My God. Oh my God. I mean, he's like half his size. Indeed. And you, like you brought up, he's an Olympian. Did you say, or yes, he is. Yeah. He, uh, let me go back to it. He was in, um, the 2012 summer Olympics. Yeah. And it was a rolling deadlift lift suplex right, so that's, right. A, that's a lot of air that he was holding up uh, Corbin who's like twice his size easy and uh, so Rhino and Corbin in, uh, win which brings me to that big issue that I was talking to you about another one of my pet peeves Matt the two established tag teams eliminated to two random guys who were paired yeah. up together we, we both are going to have the same issue here I think um, I said I, I didn't agree with the booking I, I would have booked the end of this tournament completely differently and 
Jordan and Gable would have been my overall winners in the end because that, that's what I would have picked. Yes, be, because you have a tag team tournament and you're not putting over an established tag team. You're putting over, you know, we're, we're going to have the finals. It's going to be two teams that are t- made up of two singles guys, and, and I really think that that was a missed opportunity. They really could have made Jordan and Gable here yeah. by having them win this tournament, and they didn't do it. Like if I was booking it, and I'm sure this is pretty much going to mirror what you were thinking. It would be in, uh, excuse me, Ben Balor and uh, and Samoa Joe versus Chad and Gable. Or Chad and Gable, Gable and Jordan, and uh, the story of the match—they just work on that leg, work on that leg, till finally Joe gets sick of uh, Finn Balor, jumps him. That leads to Gable and uh, Jordan getting the victory, getting the kudos. You set up the main event in between uh, Finn and Joe, and you get uh, Chad and Jordan getting a title match for the tag titles at the next paper. Yeah, I would go almost exactly with that. Um, we did—we were talking the night of the of the show, and someone brought up, "Well, what if?" What if Finn was the one to turn if he was faking the leg injury or something and he was the one to turn because he has been wearing his little leather jacket lately and he's kind of he's if you if you watched him in Japan he's doing he's getting real similar to what he was right before he formed the Bullet Club yeah he's coming out in the leather jacket now he's trying right. I like that he's trying to make non-painted up Finn Balor kind of cool or at least almost as cool as painted up uh, Finn Balor right right or, I, I don't know the the idea of a heel Samoa Joe just running rough shot with uh, the belt and hand off. Oh, yeah, that'd be, I, I have no problem with that. That'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. I mean, that's what he was when he was X-Division champ in TNA. So, Rhino and Baron Corbin will take on Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. Actually, pretty interesting match. So, I, I as much as I would have preferred uh, Gable and Jordan moving on and winning this, like, I was really rooting, rooting for him, Matt. Uh, but, you know what, I'll take it. I mean, that's sort of like NXT to a T. Like, sh- even when the guy you, win- you want to win doesn't win, you can't, you're not entirely Entirely disappointed. At least that was me. So no, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So after the match, Corbin and Rhino stop and pose with uh, the trophy. By the way, we didn't talk about this trophy, which, uh, spoiler, does not get destroyed at the end of the night. Uh, what did you think of uh, the Dusty Rhodes trophy? Yeah, I mean, it, it served its purpose. It wasn't anything spectacular, but... Do you think this will be, like, an annual event for NXT now? Uh, it would be really cool if it was an annual event. If they did it like, uh, you know, Chikara's Grand Tag League in the summer or, or whatever, you know? Like, I will say, especially when the winners uh, posed with the trophy at the end of it, it felt like an IWGP uh, tournament uh, ending right there. Yeah, I I totally can see that. Um, Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, they do their, like, G1 Climax every year where there's a a tag team tournament and a singles tournament. It could be that kind of thing, you know. All right. So, as uh, tradition with these TakeOver shows, we have a debut. And who gets to debut this week? Or this week. This uh, show. But Asuka, formerly known as Kana, taking on... Dana Brooke. Uh, what, what do you think about both competitors here, Matt? Oh, Dana Brooke. Oh, boy. <laughs> I do not like Dana Brooke. Uh, um, there's, there's, a, there's been a recent bandwagon of um, people saying that Dana Brooke has something and, and she's getting better and they see something in her. Uh, if anybody would like my ticket for the Dana Brooke bandwagon, they can have it because I will not be using it. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. She's a bodybuilder. She has an okay look. She's athletic enough, but she just seems lost in the ring all the time to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Like she has that deer in the headlights look to her. All yeah, the all the time. And 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 she's like on repeat. She's like, oh, I have to remember to do this, and then this, and then this. Oh, I got nothing now. I'll just do those three things again. It's like if you actually look, you, you can see points where Emma is saying like, okay, now do this. Right. And putting her with Emma is actually really smart. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a fan of that. I'm, I'm, I'm almost a fan of this team, even though I don't care for Dana. Uh, I'm definitely a fan of the pose now that, that Emma has new trunks. 
Uh, but that's probably better left unsaid. She has quite the tush. I've noticed, yes. So. Uh, Asuka, I have read about. I've never actually seen one of her matches until this. Uh, she impressed the heck out of me. I was not ready for Asuka. She was very good, and she has some really good psychology with her face, facial uh, expressions and just sort of the, the character she was trying to portray. Like, I think the what she's trying to get across is maybe, just maybe, she's not all there. Yeah, I was thinking it was more like a, almost like a bloodlust, you know? Almost like a, just, she really likes hurting people. Yeah, it's like, like, the whole, uh, the story of the matchup, you know, she goes down there to sign with NXT, everyone's happy, they do the traditional where they show the name you know them by overseas, and then it changes into their new name here in the WWE, which I think is cool. They make, like, an event, out right. which is very cool. Then Dana and Emma crash the party and basically they tell her to leave and she starts and she leaves which I was like okay that's different she hangs her head and and like meekly walks out of the ring away from these two and then she stops just before the entrance ramp and turns and gives like this joker smile as if she just found what she's going to be doing for the next 30 days (laughs) And and the look on Dana and Emma's faces when she does that was fantastic uh, they were both uh, scared out of their wits just by this girl turning and, and giving a little smile. Uh, I will say the funniest thing out of this whole build, there was a moment that was supposed to further instill fear to Emma and Dana, where they burst into William Regal's office and they're going like, oh, we, did you see that? We made her run, run away and da-da-da. She's scared. And William's like, have you actually seen a Kana match? And she's like, and they're like, no. And they're like, well, here, take a look at this. And you don't see what's on the computer screen he's showing them, but you just hear, <laughs> and they start looking really uncomfortable. <laughs> Of course, I think somebody in the headset said, okay, that looked really weird. Uh, Show what they were looking at, please. (laughs) (laughs) She's been wrestling since 2004, so. Oh, yeah. yeah, She has quite the career in Japan. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, this is like Finn Balor. She's kind of taking a chance coming down here and like, because she could have just stayed in Japan and just had a great living. Right, right. And so this match, uh, oh, just to finish with uh, on Dana Brooke, uh, I, okay, look, I I don't hate Dana Brooke, right? Uh, I'm one of those who believe that. That, you know what? If you're learning, it's okay for you. To, I'd rather you be on NXT than on the main roster. And it's obvious that she has a ways to go. So, right. So, and, and, you know, we're going to, I'm sure we're both going to talk about later how great Sasha Banks is. Mm. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Eight months ago, Sasha Banks was barely anything. Yeah. You know, there, there's a point where they can, where they get these people and they're training them and they're nothing. And then it just all of a sudden clicks for them, you know, and that could happen with Dana. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'll be the first to admit it if it happens. But right now, it's just there's nothing to see here. Yeah. It's like, look at Charlotte. There was a while there was nothing to see there either. But right. one day, all of a sudden, she was Brock Lesnar. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it all, and, if you, and if you think about it, they were they were pushing Summer Rae there. And, and Sasha and Charlotte were like her lackeys. Exactly. You know, and it ended up being those two being incredible top-tier wrestlers. And, and yeah, it, it's, you know, if it happens, it happens great. I hope it does happen. I want anybody who's there to come out good, you know. Oh, it's amazing what a difference a couple of years make, isn't it? Right. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyway, the match between Dana Brooke. Oh, the one thing I don't really don't like about Dana Brooke, by the way, her lips. She has like squirrel cheeks or something. I don't know. There's something going. And she's not. She's not ugly. She's yeah. not unattractive. But there's something about her face that I don't like. Yeah. And and so the match. The story of this match is Asuka is freaking hard hitting and kills people. She's a buzzsaw. My God, she's like tajiring her all over the 
effortless. The kicks, you can hear and feel it for that matter. And some of her moves are so lightning quick, it's ridiculous. Like She's very fast. Like Dana Brooke charges at her with a clothesline and she counters it into a Del Rio R bar. It was incredible. Like I, I'm trying to keep up. I had to rewind a few times because I was not yeah. expecting her to do some of these moves. Yeah, she is very fast. And one of my favorite chants, by the way, of the night, uh, to the tune of Suplex City, they were chanting Osaka City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Oh, oh, I got to back up to the last match if you're, if you're talking about chants. Did you hear the crowd chanting Gable's name to the tune of the old Kurt Angle song? Yes, yes. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> All right, all right, back to this. Oh, this crowd, by, the NXT crowd, by the way, people, are some of the best crowds ever. They tend to be really good or really bad. Mm. They were really good tonight. Uh, even There is even good ba- good with the bad. Like, uh, for a while, for NXT Brooklyn, the crowd kept booing every time uh, Brooklyn was mentioned. And right. th- then we get to the pay-per-view, and there, and the Brooklyn crowd is chant- is chanting, Orlando sucks. <laughs> yeah, the- there was a nice little feud between the... Uh, the Brooklyn crowd and the Full Sail crowd over that last pay-per-view, which is when, how often do you get feuds between crowds? That's awesome. That's yeah, cool. it was really cool. And so Asuka mercifully brings this to an end for Dana as she locks on the Asuka lock, which is more or less a cross-faced chicken wing. And uh, Dana taps and a very successful debut for Asuka. Now, I was surprised she tapped out. I, I assumed that Asuka would get the win, but I was really surprised Dana passed out or uh, tapped out. Because um, they've been kind of building Dana, and they have her tap out to somebody. It's just really surprising to me. Well, from what I've, I, I, if you go by Dana, from like the moment she debuted until now, it's like you could tell they had really, really high hopes. Like they really wanted the feud to be her and Charlotte. And uh, but at a certain point, I think they realized, yeah, she's not ready for that. Let's just do it on free, free NXT TV. Right. I almost said free TV, TV, but it's only on the network. So yeah, and you can also watch it on Hulu. That's true. And uh, then you. And then after that, you know, they've been, she's pretty much just been Emma's sidekick. Like, right. Even to the point where Emma got the win at the pay-per-view the last time. Right, right. And, but uh, it doesn't hurt, uh, I don't think, anybody, any of uh, Dana getting pinned here. Asuka looks strong. In fact, like, uh, I, I think I would dare say she looks like a c- pretty credible contender for certain people's belts. Now, did you see the backstage bit that was exclusive to WWE.com? Yes, where apparently the story is Dana was hit so hard in the head she has no idea where she is yeah she she did not remember losing the match she but, assumed that she won the match <laughs> she kept asking emma how quickly she beat asuka but then the best part was asuka comes in and pats dana on the head the way she's been uh uh doing to what's her name uh, to the, devin brooke devin taylor devin taylor which yeah, unfortunately well, she's, yeah she just got released yeah so she, we're never gonna find out the story on that <laughs> but uh yeah she came in and patted her on the head and then walked out and and emma looked like frozen with fear when she walked in mm. yeah that was really good oh yeah yeah and she still got that maniacal smile so I, and it works because uh, i've noticed that with uh, especially noticed it when uh oh, i can't believe i forgot his name who's the japanese wrestler that came last time at takeover Hideo Itami. Hideo, Hideo, no not Hideo Itami. uh the one that the mask guy who came and took on tyler breeze oh uh jushin liger Ju- yeah jushin thunder liger that since i don't know if it's because of the language barrier but uh Jap- 
Japanese wrestlers seem to be some of the best guys at using like uh, physical comedy and what happened. Like, espe- right. well, especially Liger being masked, he has to do that. But exactly, like he was imitating a lot of uh, Tyler Breeze's taunts, and uh, Asuka was also uh, mimicking uh, Dana-, Dana Brooke a lot during the match too. But I think she'll do really well, especially if she can get to a point where she's cutting promos and what have you. You know, sky's the limit. All right, so after the match. Asuka celebrates. Am I pronouncing it all right? Is it Asuka? Yes. Um, you know, uh, the Americanization of it would probably be Asuka, mm. but they are going with the Japanese pronunciation, which is basically saying that very fast, Asuka. All right. And Asuka, anyway, Dana knocks uh, Asuka's arm. After the match, I guess Asuka tries to shake Dana's hand, but Dana slaps it away. So Asuka just kicks her in the goddamn head. <laughs> yeah. Down she goes. Oh, it was great. Yeah, she kicks hard. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I make another comparison to Tajiri because she's that type of wrestler. She's hard-hitting strikes and very fast. The only thing I don't like is in Japan a lot, apparently a lot of her moves were like hip strikes, mm. which we see as like the butt attacks here in America. <laughs> and she did a few of them at TakeOver and I don't think those really work for non-comedy wrestlers in America. So she might want to cut the, cut those out. Mm. You know, it's a legitimate move in Japan. It's just, con- you're throwing your hip, you're throwing your weight in, at the guy. But you know, it, it's always been seen as a comedy move here she probably should stop that so moving on we come back and this is where we see Finn Balor getting checked on we also get a promo for Nia Jax which I was surprised about as I really thought we'd see her debut tonight but I guess we try to keep it to one new guy per person Asuka laughed her she was getting video packages before we even knew that Asuka was coming mm. we didn't know about about Asuka until after the last takeover that's true I think we actually got the Nia Jax promos starting at the last page right last right page. and then and then uh, Kana was in the crowd at yes. the last pay-per-view and then like two weeks later they said she had signed you know and then she debuts already and still no Nia Jax yeah, hope everything's going okay over there. She's she's Glacier. Mm-hmm. And we cut to another tradition at these TakeOver events, and that's pissing me off. As we get Tyler Breeze versus Apollo Crews. Uh, what are your thoughts on both these guys? Uh, WWE has successfully not made me care about Apollo Crews at all. <laughs> he's, he's good in the ring. He's got a look. He's... Apparently very young. I didn't realize how young he was. How old, how young is he? Apparently it was like his 21st birthday at the last TakeOver when he did. No. Uh, I, I heard him, I believe I heard him say that in a promo or in an interview. Um, You're not going to so like what I have to say about Apollo Crews, but continue. <laughs> I, I mean, no, that, that's not right. He's it's, Wikipedia says he's 28, so. <laughs> okay. So that's much better than I thought. Okay. Um, if, you know, if Wikipedia is accurate. He's, he's got a decent moveset, I guess. Mm-hmm. They, there's no there's nothing there in the character. Uh, and... I, I'm a big fan of Tyler Breeze. Mm. Uh, Tyler Breeze, I think Tyler Breeze can be the next Shawn Michaels. I really do. I think he has everything to do that. Jesus Christ, wow. Um, but man, has he been on a losing streak. Apollo Crews, I think, is going to be the next John Cena. Like, everything about him reminds me about how guys like Cena or or uh, even Hogan, when they were just st- first starting out, you know, they always came off as sort of like this weird default wrestler. And right. it was just like white meat baby face to hell. And uh, right now, there's no personality his personality his gimmick right now is that he's a positive black role model right which is fine like i said he's not bad in the ring but there's just nothing here right now there's no character there's no reason to make me cheer this guy other than he has a cool look and he does some cool moves yeah i mean aside from quite a the kayfabe news consistently calling him monty brown disguise uh, he, he doesn't <laughs> re- <laughs> 
he, he doesn't really do anything for me. Like, yes, he's a great wrestler, but who can't you say that about in NXT right now? Right, right, you know. And, and, and he, okay, going back to this, he is kind of big. And we were talking about the guys that were too small. Although he's only 6'1", but he's 6'1", 240. He's a big jacked muscle guy. And he moves really good for a big jacked muscle guy. Yeah, I mean, his backflip is friggin' beautiful. My God. And then you got Tyler Breeze, who is probably my favorite singles wrestler on the roster. I love his character. He, for those of you who don't know, go watch Zoolander, and that's pretty much Tyler Breeze. I guarantee you, he in every interview he's cut about doing this character, he never once credited Zoolander, but it is most definitely where where he got the got the character. He's done everything but call his finisher Magnum for Christ's sake. But anyway, but it's pretty much take Rick the Model Martel, except make it good. My God, he breezes. I became you know where I became a fan of Tyler Breeze. Where's that? It was an eight man tag. It was like Breeze, the Ascension, and like one other guy versus this group of uh, face. And uh, Breeze tagged in three times. Uh, the first time he tagged in, and the crowd wanted Breeze to get tagged in, finally gets tagged in. He comes over, he punches uh, the face like twice. The pay- the face then punches him once in the stomach. Breeze clinches his stomach and tags out immediately. Yeah. <laughs> He's really good on the, uh, you know, don't don't hurt my face type thing. And yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, I really, I, I've always kind of liked him. I really liked him when he was in the main event of uh, Fatal 4-Way. Oh, yeah. The takeover. I thought he was, he, he that was his arrival, I thought. He, he was really good there. Uh, and uh, another one I think that doesn't get enough credit, his match with uh, Sami Zayn, I thought was really good too. He had a couple of good matches with Sami Zayn. And sadly, uh, I believe that's the one victory he has on paper. I think you're right. Yeah. I think that's the only time on TakeOver he's he's, he's won a match. It's like, as uh, we were saying, he's lost a multitude of times on pay-per-view, including uh, to Jushin Fung Thunder Liger last time. He lost that Fatal 4 Well, he didn't win that Fatal 4-Way. And it's just been like loss after loss after loss. And it's really baffling because he's sort of like Enzo and Cass, where he's so over, you, you expect him to be pretty pushed harder but usually right. he, he jobs uh i will say he even entered the tournament and and went out fairly quickly yeah against nobody's freaking a and like though i was real he got teamed up with bullfit which by the way a- and i just realized it bullfit that whole gimmick it was just done to turn the bullshit chance into bullfit wasn't it? pretty much it's genius it worked yeah it worked and 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 bull actually had a match on this card that we didn't get to see so uh they're still kind of behind him but hey that's that's great because he was nothing before that yeah. I, I was kind of hoping that him and Breeze would like be walking backstage and hit their head on a pipe then wake up and think that they're Jay and Silent Bob and start selling drugs in front of Titan Towers. <laughs> that's a that's a long stretch there Malcolm but oh. uh, yeah funny nonetheless. It's been so good. Uh, Breeze everything about Breeze is money. His entrances are amazing. The, his character is great and his character is telling a story like he's getting more and more vicious. He's getting bigger and bigger and uh, he's pretty much in an Alberto Del Rio spot right now where he will win consistently on TV but lose on the pay-per-view now to put some guy over which right, right. as sucky as it is for fans of his like me I know it's not bad. I know he's in a good spot but and I know that all they're doing is building up to the moment he officially turns face and he gets his redemption by and win the belt. I know it's coming, but still. Uh, my uh, my ex-girlfriend was not a wrestling fan and would occasionally watch with me, but not ever really get into it. But she got really behind Breeze going into Fatal 4-Way mm-hmm. to the point where she was, she was on the couch next to me cheering for Breeze louder than
than I was cheering for Sami Zayn. <laughs> and I was really cheering for Sami Zayn that night. And 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 the uh, you know I, I love the um, new people to wrestling type things because mm. she's like text him and tell him what he's doing wrong. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, he's had his phone right there. <laughs> she's like, hit him on Twitter. And I'm like, that's ridiculous and fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, we should try that one of these days. We should. I, 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 hey, I seriously thought about it after she said it. So, <laughs> uh, so we've been talking about Tyler Breeze quite a bit. We should probably talk about the match, which, as far as Apollo Cruz goes, is probably his best match to date, as he's been mainly doing squashes. Uh, he's only been there since the last takeover, so he hasn't had too many matches. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was a nice back and forth match. We saw some more moves out of Apollo Cruz repertoire. As I'm getting the sense that he's holding back a lot, which is good because gives you the idea that more is coming. Uh, Tyler Breeze is uh, the story of this match is Tyler Breeze actually watched Apollo Crews matches before this match. So he actually counters what was his finisher up until this point of the backlist, right. which was great. But then Apollo Crews pulls out another move out of his repertoire after a mafia kick as it's pretty much the protoplex except with more emphasis on the powerbomb. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It was just like, what was it? Like a side suplex into a powerbomb or something? Yeah, type like thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. The Mafia kick looked really good. It did, yeah. yeah. yeah for both Cruz, uh, for giving it, and Breeze sold the fuck out of it. Yeah, yeah, right. So Apollo Cruz gets the win. I cry myself uh, a tear as Tyler Breeze's streak of losing every time continues. But I, I have to believe, Matt. I have to believe that his time is coming. Uh, like I said, next to Shawn Michaels, I think he can do it. So after the match, uh, Re- Cruz recovers. We come back. We see Hideo Tommy. Hey, buddy, how you been? And he's sitting next to Funaki, the number one announcer. On Indeed. <laughs> that was my favorite gimmick for the long time, where they were badly dubbed. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, Funaki, uh, from everything I've read about him, he really likes being in America, and that's why he still does this stuff. Like, what does he do now? Does he still work for the company? I don't think he's still a road agent or anything like that, I, but he still hangs out in America and does this stuff for them. So, so then we cut to Bailey backstage, looking all glittery and what have you getting ready for her match. We then cut to the finals in the Dusty Roads Tag Team Classic. Samoa Joe and three-fourths of Finn Balor taking on Rhino and Baron Corbin. Uh, so we've already talked about uh, all four guys. What did you think about the ma- match, Matt? Uh, I'll be honest, I kind of tuned out during this match. Really? Because I, I wasn't... Uh, I, I, was <laughs> I was pretty upset that Jordan and Gable didn't make it to the finals. And, and I was like, okay, so it's going to be a team that isn't a team winning, and I'm going to assume it's uh, Balor and Joe. I really expected a heel turn that we never got. Yeah, so. I, I thought this was be it. Yeah, he would go for the move and miss and probably cost the team, and Joe would turn on him after the match. Right, so they're going to drag this out. Yeah, I, I guess was, it makes them better friends that they win the match and win the tournament. That, so whoever turns down the run, down the line, it, it means more, I, I, I guess, is what they're thinking. But I don't know. I, I, the match was fine. I, it wasn't anything spectacular, but you know they all did their parts. Yep, uh, once again, Rhino takes the pinfall here as you know you want to keep Corbin looking strong as this uh, pay-per-view did a lot of and as Corbin got the pinfall last time and uh, Corbin uh, Corbin, uh, Finn you know I was expecting a bigger deal after he hit that double stomp like he would like would not be able to make the pinfall maybe even have to tag out again so Joe could get right. the pinfall but no he just like oh and then he goes and pins him and it's like alright whatever and then, so Joe and, and Finn win the match and 
And uh, I knew this was coming, but I was kind of surprised. But we get, like, I, I knew Cody and Dusty, but we essentially get all of the Rhodes family. In yeah. There. And uh, all minus uh, the face paint, by the way. Yep, everybody was out of character in nice suits. Indeed. And you can, it's been a while that that Cody's been gold dust because it was so weird for me to see dashing Cody Rhodes again, <laughs> who cuts a nice little promo about his dad as a thank you, Dusty chant filled the arena. And he says uh, a very beautiful sentiment, actually, that like for one night tonight, we are all members of the Rhodes family. And then they bring they bring in the trophy. Joe and uh, Balor get to one knee and pose next to it as the victors of uh, the Samoa Joe class, the Dusty Rhodes classic. And, <laughs> and uh, th- there you go. Uh, aside from respect, I don't know what's going to happen here. Mitt, I don't know if Joe and Finn are going to get a tag title shot and maybe we'll get the breakup there. Or maybe maybe it's like you were saying, they treat these guys like the mega powers and later on down the line that we have that big breakup. Well, I guess the easiest thing they can do is start having Joe want a shot at the title. Mm. You know, so, uh, I mean, that that would work. It's been done to death in wrestling, but it, it would still work. I mean, I, I could buy Joe wanting the, a shot of the title. I mean, <laughs> he said as much when he when he got here. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. Uh, it was very interesting. This is the first pay-per-view where we didn't get uh, any Finn Balor demon this time. So I guess he right. he, he was either really pushing the his new uh, the Fonz look that he's got going on now. Or Though I do like the Balor Club t-shirts, I'll have to say. No, th- I mean, that makes me wonder, the jacket, the Balor Club shirts, are they going to do, like, a Bullet Club thing with him? Hmm. I mean, they could. I mean, especially if they get, like, Rhino and Storm and uh, you can even get Joe and you, like, like do, like, a TNA thing. <laughs> You're like, you have Storm come out like, you all know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I could see it. Uh, why not? You know. Oh, by the way, uh, the funniest thing so far about Storm being signed. Did you hear? Did you see the Twitter uh, responses between him and Mickey James? No. Oh, it was great. So Mickey James like writes a congratulatory Twitter saying congratulations and knock him dead over an NXT. And Storm responds, uh, "Hey, thanks a lot. And also, look, I'm really sorry about that whole subway thing." <laughs> Uh, the only problem is he has to stop being uh, Bray Wyatt Jr. now. Yeah, yeah, we already got that now. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. Maybe they have designs to bring over Bobby Roode, and we can get beer money back. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I- I'm shocked that TNA never brought, reunited those two. Yeah, they're, they're, oh, they were such a good tag team. They were, so were. And somewhere, Wildcat Chris Harris is crying. <laughs> Oh gosh, Raiden Walker, knock knock. Anyway, <laughs> so after this fun, this fun moment, we see in the crowd we see Stephanie McMahon, Lita, Becky Lynch, and the WWE Divas Champion Charlotte are all at ringside. And so no pressure on these women or anything. Now, what did you think of Stephanie being there? Because I've heard a lot of people say that it, it's not right that Stephanie's glamming onto this. I don't have a problem with it myself. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like, a I know this is all Hunter's baby, so really it's probably more Hunter's thing than hers but at the same time from a marketing standpoint it's better for them that it's stephanie that's putting her name on and she is making decisions within the company oh yeah yeah. so i'm sure she has something to do with this whether people want to give her any credit or not yeah and the fact that once again that it's stephanie's name on this and now the whole divas division now is a reflection of her which means for the divas division now stephanie cares which is a positive so if that if uh 
Stephanie getting credit for it is going to lead to better things for the Divas division by all means. I have no problem. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, ideally in the future, you would want, I guess in storyline, they want to be like Triple H is in charge of the guys and Stephanie runs the whole Divas division, which could be pretty cool. Who knows? Maybe we'll even get like matches with Stephanie's that aren't terrible. <laughs> well, let's not, uh, let's not go too far. Like how ter- she carried Nikki for Christ's sakes, who had been wrestling all this time. <laughs> well, eh. Nikki's are horrible, so Nikki does not want to be wrestling right. But anyway, we we now go to our main event, history in the making, whether people want to acknowledge it or not, as it's a thirty minute Iron Woman match for the NXT women's title as Sasha Banks takes on Bailey, the future of the Divas division right in our faces. All right, buddy. Sasha Banks and Bailey, what are your thoughts? Oh, what to say, what to say. Uh I like Bailey a little more. Mm. Uh I'll, I'll get that right out of the way. Why? Because I like this type of um, face character who she's not just a boring nothing face, even though she's a goody good guy. She is, you know, the the pure hero. She is a Hulk Hogan type or a John Cena type. I think she could very easily be the John Cena of the women's division with this character. Uh, you know, she started out with the, the whole super fan thing. I, I love her, uh, you know, with the little girls at ringside hugging them and everything. Izzy. Uh, I have some things to say on her. Too. Well, not, not even just Izzy, but there's other girls now. Now, if okay. you if you watch, she's you know she hugged another girl on the way in. There was a uh, a vine from a recent live event where a, a girl was dressed like how Izzy dresses, you know, dress, dressing like Bailey, and and she stopped to hug her. You know, she's she's really interacting with her young with her young fans, which is smart. Yeah, which smart. is very smart. She knows how to work the crowd, you know, and she's and she's good in the ring. Mm. You know, overall, she's really good in the ring. Sasha, man, how many how many match of the year candidates has Sasha had in the last six months? Oh, I, I it's got to be at least three. Like her and Charlotte tear it up every time they're together. Right, that takeover match with Becky Lynch was amazing. In yeah, fact, it probably was match of the night. And then the, and then I think she has the match of the night every night she's on the card on it for NXT. Yeah, and, and, and then these two matches with Bailey were great. Oh God, yeah. Uh, it really struck me, uh, and, and we'll talk about it in the match, some of the heel things that she does, but mm-hmm. did you hear her interview on uh, Jericho's podcast? Yes. It was she basically Jericho. said she wants to be Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, she idolized the guy. Yeah, that she idolized Eddie Guerrero and she wants to be Eddie Guerrero. And like, it struck me in this match, she's there. She is Eddie Guerrero. She is that type of heel. I I really love the type of heel work that she does. It's very old school, but she's putting a modern spin on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, And she's great in the ring. Bailey, one of the big things I like about her is uh, one of the big things I like about a lot of the wrestlers on NXT is that I've watched this character grow, so I'm so attached to it. Right, right. Saw her go from this super fan to becoming a wrestler to all of a sudden getting over, you know, like the whole gimmick and story was her getting over the fact that she was this super fan and she looked up to these wrestlers to going toe-to-toe with them and it was such a great journey and you're absolutely right she is a uh, fantastic wrestler i'm sure it makes shane douglas's day that her finishers is a belly-to-belly but (laughs) see i told you phil air that could be a finisher but anyway she it's amazing and you're absolutely right she is such a great she's a marketer's dream oh yeah definitely you could she is a role model type character Uh, i mean i will say i would be careful with uh 
Izzy because she's gone from being this awesome thing about awesome thing to par- almost part of the act. It feels like to a point where if Izzy's not there, it'd feel it kind of would feel weird for me, like her not interacting. Uh, I don't know if it's gotten that far for me. Uh, she I, was I, a major part of this match, but but, <laughs> it, but they had to come as far as they did in this to have the spot that they had in this match. Whether that was all the plan, I don't know. And like I said, we'll get to it as we talk about yeah. the match. Part of me wants to think, oh, I hope Izzy was in on this. And part of me wants to think, oh, I really hope Izzy wasn't in on this because it makes it such a better moment if she wasn't. <laughs> but, yeah. If she was a part of this, she should get actor of the year. Right, right. Uh, in fact, at the very least, if they do a uh, – next time they do the Slammy Awards and they do, like, fan of the year, I think she should get it. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's no justice she doesn't get it. Uh, Sasha Banks. Fucking hey, I, I went to – she went to being the most generic diva ever to having the greatest character in the Divas division. Yeah, I said it. She was nothing before. Yeah, she was just like a generic face. And then one day, Summer Rae say, hey, you know what? You should really give being a heel a try. <laughs> and boy, did she ever give it a try. She went to being the third banana in the BFF stable to being the most over out of all of them. Like, her boss character is amazing. And like I said, I think she consistently has the match of the night on these takeover events. Yeah, I, I'll say it. She's the next Trish Stratus, and I love Trish Stratus to death. So oh, yeah, yeah. She, she definitely can be that type of, uh, of marketable person. But again, as a heel, and I think she's uh, very much in the Eddie Guerrero style of heel, she just she has everything going. And I, and I do think, keep her heel for a while. At a certain point, she'll be a good face. Yeah, and right now, a lot of people are, they're not happy with how she's used or not being used, I should say, on WWE. But really, I think it's a mix of, A, they wanted to keep her healthy for this match, and B, I, they definitely have plans. Like, I know you watched that NXT panel that they had on WWE Network. And... I actually I haven't had a chance to yet. Oh, you haven't? Okay. No. Well, the panel consisted of, you know, not Zayn, but it had Owens, it had Sasha, it had Triple H, it had Finn Balor, it had Seth Rollins. And uh, there came a part where they were talking about the Divas Revolution, and see, hearing Triple H talk about it, especially the parts where he's talking about Sasha, you know he has plans for her. It's <laughs> And the fact that she's winning every single time that she's in a tag match, I, they're just getting ready for her to challenge for the belt. And, yeah, I mean, she made Nikki tap out before Charlotte got her title match, mm-hmm. you know, so while she was still champion. So this, so, and another thing I'll, I like about the Bailey and Sasha Banks, and somebody brought this up, and I think it's really, really, really clever. They're pretty much, they have a Joker, Batman type of chemistry with each other, where, yeah, yeah, like you have uh, ba- Bailey, who's this very nice, you know, every woman who, like, the kids can get involved with. You have Sasha Banks, who is just looks drop dead gorgeous and is like pretty much what the cool pe- who the cool people like like well okay the cool people can like both characters but you can sort of get what I'm getting out of here yeah I understand what you mean and even better they work fantastically together they oh yeah yeah like, they do like we we uh, discussed this in private before but we we both say that Sasha and Bailey should have been the main event at the last takeover at the last show yes it was a golden opportunity but you know what we'll take tonight as uh, they have a 30 minute match uh, what do you think about it being 30 minutes and not an hour as tradition uh you know I don't have a problem with that at all um first of all it's only a two-hour event mm. you know second of all um they went over it went, it ended up being more than two hours you know so it, it was fine uh I, I don't have a problem with it not being an hour I, I i really think 
hour-long Iron Man matches have a tendency to have a big lull periods, and they kind of avoided that in this match being only 30 minutes. They kept it up. They kept a high pace throughout the 30-minute match, and you yeah. can't do that in an hour. That you know, it was it was pretty fast-paced, frantic, and big moves all over the place. Right. There was there was not really any spot in the match where it was oh I'm slowing it down and getting you in a rest hold because I need to conserve energy type thing, which you get in every other Iron Man match. Now before the match starts, we obviously get the big main event introductions, and the crowd is just applauding the heck out. It's actually really really beautiful, which some people are deciding to get annoyed with, but I have something to say about those people in a second. The crowd is chanting women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. The crowd is chanting main event. This the is, crowd is chanting this is awesome. You deserve it. You deserve it is the best. Yeah, it, uh, it was really it was really nice. And you can tell and Bailey and uh, Sasha are having like a little out of character smirk at each other. And you know, some people are getting ending up on a, you know, a rant on this one. You know, they pick on Charlotte especially for crying. But they have to celebrate every little thing. Like, yes! God damn it, this is a beautiful goddamn moment it's like you know what when it becomes to the point where it's old hat and we can have women in these matches like this and be in the main event and we don't think anything of it then they can stop crying and stop being emotional about it but right now it's just a huge deal to have two women main event a pay-per-view in wwe <laughs> yeah, like a, a mutual acquaintance of ours whose last name may or may not be a character uh, a cyborg from aliens uh said a friend of his compared this to the he sees the women division like uh, the cruiserweights back in WCW in that it's a, you know, quote unquote, a big deal in one of them main events. And I would say the very fact that he sees it like that shows that he has no idea how much of an uphill climb it's been for the women get here. Like right. if you took Benoit and you took Medusa and you went up to a hundred fans and asked them who has the better odds of main eventing Nitro, Benoit would win every time. Right. Mysterio would win every time. Like any other cruiserweight, freaking El Dandy would have a better chance. And, and let's, Let's not forget, the last time we had women in the main event, and it wasn't on pay-per-view, it was on Raw, it was Lita and Trish. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like 12, 15 years ago already that that happened, you know? And it's not come anywhere near happening again until now. And to be honest, like, and keep in mind, I I saw the wars the women had back in the Attitude Era, and I cherished that time where we had Lita, Trish, and all those gals. But I don't think I ever said, not once, that the women had the match of the night hands down. And now I say this like every takeover. Right. You know, like like one of my favorite women's matches, uh, I attended WrestleMania 22, which is where, when Mickey James defeated Trish Radis for the for the women's title. And I love that match. But there was better men- matches, men's matches on that card. You know, I mean, that was a card full of really good matches. Mm. But, you know, it, it, it was really, it was a really good match, but it wasn't match of the night. You know, and the women consistently keep having the match of the night here. They had, Sasha had the match of the night last, last month or uh, two months ago at the last takeover. The four-way, I think, was the match of the night. That was three takeovers ago. The match with Becky Lynch, I think, was the match of the night. You know, before that, okay, then it starts to get questionable. But uh, Paige and Emma had a really good match on the first one. Uh, Charlotte and uh, Natalia had an amazing match on that one. You know, they're, they're constantly having great matches. Yeah. And right now, a lot of people poke fun at the quote-unquote revolution that's going on in WWE with uh, Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha. But here's the thing. Until roughly 50 to 60 percent of the roster is uh, NXT Divas, it's going to be sort of in a lull period. Like, Because at the end of the day, Charlotte is amazing, but she's going to have to dumb it down a bit if she's in there with Nikki. Right. And I think the biggest problem they're having, they should have never made them the three teams of no, the three girls. Yeah, yeah. I think they 
should have just brought them in and said, you know, everybody go at it. Because we get like last SmackDown where, where the Bellas fought Team Bad and they're both heels. So why, as in kayfabe, why should we care? Hmm. You know? Because Sasha's cool. That's what I, I hate because <laughs> I, lo- I love Sasha. But, but they're not booking this right, I don't think. Oh, yeah. So, but it definitely has some look, some ways to go. And look, Charlotte's going to cry. Bailey and uh, Sasha will have their moments, which we'll talk about in a second. Because at the end of the matter, this is a huge step for them. And they're leading the way. So, you know what? They can cry, too. I mean, because this entire main event was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And so let's get right into it. It was near perfect. Yeah. Uh, I have a few complaints, and I will say they are very pedantic. But let's go through the match first. Oh, yeah. So the matchup starts, and for a few minutes, it's 0-0. Like, actually, I think for the first nine minutes, they it was like 0-0, to a point where I was starting to wonder if they were going to pull a Shawn Michaels-Brett, where it would just end in a draw. Right. And uh, let's see, we get to the first fall of the match, and I think this is where I understand, unless you have, like, a earlier moment you want to talk about. No, go ahead. But this is where she starts to channel her inner Eddie, we'll, we'll call it. Where, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the, there are some, like, near uh, misses with the ref and then finally Sasha traps the ref behind her and gets up on the second rope keeping sort of the referee pinned in there and Bailey doesn't know what's going on she pokes her in the eye then schoolboys her one two three she gets the first fall of the matchup and it was so awesome it was awesome it's a nice that was it according to Wikipedia that was at 831 so it was that long until it was first fall indeed indeed let's see here here and then the second fall at that I believe Sasha starts like beating the heck out of her on the outside and then finally grabs her tosses her into the NXT Tron or whatever have you and kudos to the uh, to the team that runs that that Tron because they had it go staticky as if it had broken Sasha runs back in she gets another fall due to a count out victory now you actually missed one because Bailey got a quick pin off the Bailey to Belly before that happened did she that's right yeah that was that was like almost almost immediately after the roll up, she came back with the belly to belly to get to tie it up. But then, yeah, they went to the outside and did all that. All right, awesome, awesome. Um, so once again, Sasha is in the lead, and for a while, you know, Sasha is just like slowly but surely beating her up. And this is where we get some nice drama because she's beating her up in front of it, and she starts mouthing off at easy on the outside. Yeah, yeah. And here's the beautiful thing: like she rolls her up. We're seeing. We cut to the ring and Bailey is getting beat up inside the ring and then we cut back to Izzy who's now crying in her parents arms well you missed uh, she she beat her up on the outside and while she's getting the count out she yanked Izzy's headband off oh did she okay yeah why don't yeah. you take over here as my notes are kind of jumbled here yeah Sasha ripped ripped uh, Izzy's headband off while Bailey was getting counted out and uh, gets in the ring and puts it on and starts posing like Bailey and then takes the headband off and throws it into the crowd at Izzy and they cut to Izzy's dad holding her and she's bawling crying wow. and and uh, uh, the announcers even go what is wrong with her why would she do something like that you know and then they, they they use that to draw attention to the fact that Bailey's still on the outside and there might be another count out mm. like the match is still going so even though she's been counted out the next fall might be another count out and she barely makes makes it back in and, and that's and then they really they really pick up from there um, yeah they're just they're great move after great she does that that top rope uh, reverse Hurricane Rana to Sasha that was that's that was just brutal 
Like, uh, I believe uh, she did. She do it. Like, this is the one where she tried to reverse it by landing on her feet. But you know, if she was able to pull that off, God bless her. But she just sort of did a rolling and just got up right behind her. And yeah, I believe she hit her with the ba- with her own move. Well, that was after that. She okay. she got the pin off the off the Hurricane Rana. Oh, Bailey okay. Got the pin off the Hurricane Rana. But then they went for another top rope spot where yeah, she rolled to her feet and she hit the Bailey to belly. Uh, Sasha hit the belly to belly and did not get the fall, but it was really close. And then they just kind of went in the submissions back and forth for the last like two three minutes of the match. Um, and uh, Bailey's in the bank statement for a long stretch, for a long stretch to get before she can get out, and then locks in these this weird modified arm bar where she's got both arms trapped. It was like a Rings of Saturn, with, almost like, her yeah. own twist, to like a Rings of Saturn, but the one the one arm was more like a Fujiwara arm bar type position. Uh, and and at according to Wikipedia, twenty nine minutes and fifty seven seconds, uh, Sasha gives up and gives Bailey the third fall. And three seconds pass, and we're out. And we're out, yeah. And I have a name for that move, the bailout. Ah, like it. I like it. Thank you. you. (laughs) So, and that's your match. The first ever female main event in, well, in NXT pay-per-view history. and WWE pay-per-view history. Yeah. So, Bailey is announced a winner. Both of them start to get up. We see Becky, Charlotte, and Lita at ringside all applauding everyone. The whole audience is on their feet applauding. And then... And uh, then, uh, in a really cool spot, the entire NXT roster comes out. Stephan- yeah, we a whole curtain call here. Yeah, Stephanie uh, trans, trans, yeah, teleports over there. We see Sarah Del Rey, William Regal, Triple H, and for some reason, another bi- guy that I noticed out of the whole thing, Josh from Tough Enough, was in the, out there, too. Oh, I didn't notice that. I did say while we were watching it, oh, look at Solomon Crowe's there, like he's a real person. <laughs> Oh, poor Sunkro. <laughs> uh, we get everyone out there. They're all applauding. And then in a moment that actually got a tear from me, Sasha leaves the ring. And uh, tri- and I forget who it was. I think it was Triple H walks and gives her, like, these bouquet of roses and cre- to congratulate yeah, tr- her. Yeah, Triple H comes out with two bouquets, and he gives one to Sasha and while she's barely, like, keeping it together. Like, Sasha can't accept it. She falls to her knees and just starts crying and crying. And you can actually see Sarah Del Rey, or the, the head trainer over for the divas up there, like go up to her and almost as if she was saying, okay, we really need you to stand up and uh, right, right, Triple right. H right now. So she gets up. We have this great moment. A thank you, Sasha chance breaks out as Bailey looks on victorious in the ring, holding up the belt. Triple H then enters the ring and presents Bailey with flowers as well. He raises her arm as Sasha and the roster looks on and continue to applaud her. The fans start another you deserve it chant and takeover goes off the air with everyone cheering Bailey and probably one of the most feel good moments in wrestling and I'm sorry but if you could look th- at this and you got annoyed with it you know, just just fuck off <laughs> yeah I, I, and I know I know there's going to be people saying that oh you know they're, they're tired of the curtain calls they're tired of the crying you know the the hugs the respect whatever I love this kind of stuff yeah. I thought it was great I mean, it's basically Sasha's graduation to the main roster you know she's not going to be back in NXT so mm-hmm. they were given her a send-off uh I, I don't know the match was fantastic i think compared to the last match they had what was nice was it was a completely different type of match mm. the last match was incredibly hard hitting and and really really vicious like they were trying to kill each other in the last match mm. this match was all about the pacing and the psychology because of the fact that it was being an iron man match so it's not, it, you know your immediate thought is can they top what they did last time and i think they at least equal what they did last time because they did something completely different 
different and it was still very good. Yeah, I, I, I was about to say something pretty similar there. If you're unsure if you can top it, at least give us something that is ju- is cool and is as cool in a different way. Right, something that's very comparable. Yeah, and um, we didn't even talk about uh, Bailey being vicious and attacking uh, Sasha's hand. Oh right, right. Like there was people. a lot of there was a lot of stairs spots in this match on the outside mm-hmm. where their hands were getting because Sasha continues to attack Bailey's hand that was broken a few months ago and Bailey just started returning the favor. Now I said I had a few complaints about this match that were somewhat pedantic. Right. Uh, I think they should have picked a different submission hold for the end so that we could have clearly seen Sasha tap out. Both of her arms were trapped. I assume she gave up vocally yeah. and it was it didn't read great until you saw the replay. Yeah, you, you, it's one of those it is like the weakness of the ring of Saturn or moves like that. You can't tap out because you got both arms locked so you have right. like really a nod that you're doing there. Right, right, right. And she didn't really like I don't know I didn't see a nod but I heard the bell I'm like I mean I got what happened Yeah. but you know some people might not have so I, I think if, if either you know in the last match she did the bank statement and she also did like a cripple cross face uh, you know if she would have done the cripple cross face and then Sasha would have she would have been able to tap you know but she had both arm straps she couldn't tap uh, the other thing is <laughs> and this is really pedantic but I don't like that one of the falls was a countout. Oh, come because, on. Because you're not supposed to be able to win the title on a countout or a disqualification. <laughs> and I this goes was... back to Brock Lesnar beating Kurt Angle for the title in an Ironman match when the first fall was a disqualification. And it still annoys me to this day. <laughs> I I loved it, to be perfectly frank. Like, all of Sasha's falls were cheap heel tactics. Oh, it, it worked great for the psychology and the pacing of the match. It, it was the right thing to do. Like I said, I'm being pedantic. Um, uh, and, and the reason why is because I remember a match from when I was a kid where it was the British Bulldogs, I think against the Hearts, mm. in a two out of three falls match for the titles. And I, I always remember this for some reason. The Bulldogs won. They won two falls to one, but they did not get the titles because one of the falls was a disqualification. Really? Okay. And, and, and and I remember Jesse Ventura going, there was a disqualification on the second fall. You cannot win the title on a disqualification. So mm. it just always they, – they throw that out for Iron Man matches, but they've never actually explained it. So it, it, uh, it always – kind of aggravates me. <laughs> if that was a rule, I want to see some matches where the first fall is a disqualification, So, but they still have to go through the match and the challengers are like, what the hell's the point? Right, right, right. <laughs> but It also would be nice at this point, and they actually, the announcers mentioned this at one point, if they would tell us what happens when an Iron Man match goes to a draw. Well, we, there is, uh, you know, that's actually something that bugged me on the announcer's side, because they talk about that and they're like, yeah, we don't know what happens. I mean, you don't see Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart okay with going to a to a draw. Um, actually, Brett wanted that draw. <laughs> well, see, I always I always thought champions advantage the draw should go to the champion. Yeah, like but, that was uh, Brett's whole stance on that in character, of course. Right, right, right. But if if you remember, if, okay, so obviously we all know that match it went to a draw and they restarted the match and went into sudden death. Mm. But there was a uh, there was another Iron Man match. I want to say it was between Triple H and The Rock that went to a draw and it was champion's advantage or or at least maybe they just talked about that being I th- no I, that's what it was triple h said that that was what the rule was before the match he said if it goes to the draw i'm walking out champion because it's champion's advantage oh, you know so it's been discussed yeah, yeah. both ways in wwe so i wish they would kind of give us a a, a a solid ruling on what actually happens there i mean the only instance where it has happened they just did a sudden death so that they may unless you do what triple h did where he, where he said fuck you if it's dry win right and in just 
just makes sudden death part. And, of it. and even the sudden death, it, it was played like, oh, we don't know what to do, so we're making a judgment. You know, that was the way that match was booked. Like that match with Brett and Sean, that was literally the one thing I wasn't expecting to happen. And right, I, I didn't realize it till like we were like nine minutes left, and like there hasn't been a pinfall or anything yet. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, anyway, wait, back back to the match. Uh, I think both of them have a lot to be proud of with this match. Uh, good luck with the next uh, women's match on the next takeover. Oh yeah, because if Sasha's going to the main roster to stay, and Bailey has to defend that title, it's gonna be against Emma or Dana Brooke or Eva Marie or Eva Marie. And one out of those three is the only ones that can deliver a match. You know, you have bad odds of getting a good match out of it. Emma's good. People don't. If, if you haven't watched NXT for a long time, you might not know how good Emma is. Yeah. And she certainly didn't show it when she was on the main roster. But Emma's really good in the ring, so I could see a match there. But not a good shoplifter, that's for sure. No, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess I, I guess I just can't wait for someone to turn heel so we can get Asuka versus Bailey. But uh, I'm sure that'll come. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of trip. If we see a triple threat or a fatal four-way. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Dana, Emma, Bailey, and Asuka. Yeah, it can't be Carmella because she's hurt. Is she? So, I, I heard that Eva Marie injured her at a, at a house show recently. Oh, great. That's so, because, you know, Eva Marie's the best wrestler ever. I love that her that Eva Marie's gimmick now is that referees can't, don't know how to do their jobs like, <laughs> when she's wrestling. Oh, oh she's so bad. Oh, oh. God. So what would you give TakeOver? Look, it was a solid show, uh, and these TakeOvers always deliver. Again, if, you, if this is like the eighth one, and if you've been watching them all, you know they always they always deliver. I, I Part of me wants to say this is my least favorite TakeOver, because I so disagreed with all the booking in the uh, tag tournament, but all those matches were still good, mm. you know, and then the main event was fantastic. Uh, you know, I'll go A-minus for the event as a whole. It, it, it's kind of a one-match pay-per-view, but that's okay. Uh, the last one definitely had more matches I cared about, as, uh, you know, down, down the whole card, but there was nothing bad here. There was no even even if you don't like Apollo Cruz beating Tyler Breeze and Tyler Breeze losing again, it was still a solid match. Yeah. It makes sense in the booking. It wasn't like oh my god, I can't believe they did that, did that, you know. So oh maybe it was a little, but. Yeah, yeah, I'll go a, like a B plus or an A minus on this. Yeah, I mean th- that's the thing. Like I've noticed more and more people calling this a meh show, which I really don't think is fair. I think the problem is all the shows are good, and when all your shows are good, I think it gets you know the standard of what is a great show just goes up naturally. Right, right. Yeah, we had a you know we had a lot more matches I cared about on the last one. Now that I'm looking at it, but yeah. I but, mean so. personally, I, I ended up caring more about the Dusty Rhodes tournament final a lot more than I thought that I was going to. I mean, as much a, as much as the fact that I didn't like Chad and uh, Chad and uh, Jordan not winning this matchup, I think I still think it was cool of them to have them make it as far as they did, so they at least got a pay-per-view payday. Right. And, you know, the finals told a nice story, and if uh, the Dusty Rhodes thing is going to be a thing going forward, uh, I think, you know, you set a pretty high bar by having the NXT champion at the time, Finn Balor, and Samoa Joe being going the history books as uh, your first couple of winners, and I think right. I think we'll look back and it would be a solid beginning of the show. And uh, everything the divas did was fantastic today. And, and looking back, this was a better show than Unstoppable. So mm. yeah, and uh, you know, I I had a gigantic emotional connection to the main event. So I, right, I, right. I, and even after saying all that, I'd have to concur with your with what you're saying, either a B plus or a minus on this one. I mean, it was a solid, solid, very solid show. 
show. It was, it was great in ring action at the very least. I mean, we got some, we got a new we got a, a, a debut on a new superstar that actually got me really excited to see more from her. The main event absolutely delivered. The mid card was great, and it made me excited for next week on NXT. So I don't know what right. else you could do. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I disagree with some of the booking in the tournament, but yeah. they made what they made what they did work. So you know, just because I would have booked it differently doesn't mean it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, there was no stinker matches or anything like that. So you know, it, it's it says something that we both have a pr- pretty low opinion of Baron Corbin and Dana Brooke, and yet we can't complain about those matches. Yeah, yeah. Corbin was in two matches on this show. <laughs> yeah, and I actually thought he's actually expanding his repertoire. I mean, yeah, he's he's still pretty much the Undertaker, I mean, right? He's getting better, but <laughs> and uh, if he could just show some more emotion in there, I think he'd be fine. But <laughs> the fact that he has no expression on his face at all that really hurts him. Oh yeah, his promos are just awful. <laughs> oh yeah, they're, they're, they're really bad. They're really bad. Uh, like they've only gotten better recently because he always looks like he's pissed off to be interviewed right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> It's like, yeah, we're gonna beat them all up. Are we done? <laughs> and and, and uh, it, it may sound dumb, but I was incredibly happy to see Sarah Del Rey on WWE pay per view. So, oh yeah, and, and it's great that she's getting credit for this too. That's yeah, yeah. You know, I, so I was talking to somebody about, oh, you know, they they should have used her. They should have made her in ring or whatever. And why didn't they make her in ring? You know, when, when they signed her instead of her being a trainer. And it occurred to me that if they hadn't made her a trainer, we wouldn't be getting any of this. We would just had her being good versus a bunch of people that weren't good, you know? So if her retiring from the ring was what we needed to get what we're getting now, I, I'm kind of cool with it. I'm, I'm okay with it. If you like uh, Full Metal Alchemist, this is equivalent trade. For her sacrifice, we're going right. to get women's wrestling. We may even get an entire generation of Sarah Del Rey's now. Right, right, right. You know, and it's much better than just them having her there, having terrible matches with the Bellas because they don't know what to do to keep Keep up with her. All right, folks. That's what we thought about TakeOver over Respect. Thank you so much for joining us. We promise that the next episode of Slam You is coming. Within ten, within the two weeks of this show being posted, the episode finally on Roman Reigns will be put up, and we'll get that done and out of the way. Matt, thank you so much for joining me on this review. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, I, trust me. I only need an excuse to talk about wrestling, and I'm glad I know someone who's the same way. <laughs> Folks, you can, if you like this show, you can go back and listen to all the past shows up on iTunes. Just go to your podcast app, look up Slam You, hit that subscribe button, give us a five-star written review. That helps out the show tremendously. If you use an Android device, don't worry. You can find us find us on such apps as Stitcher Radio and Pocket Cast if you wanted the ability to download it. And folks, coming soon, the Roman Reigns show where we will discuss quite a bit about Roman Reigns, including if we would have booked it booked him a little bit different so anyway for matt thank you so much guys for joining us we'll see you later bye